Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And today I want to talk about two players the Cubs are projected to sign internationally in January. Yeah, talking about January already. Wow. Everybody else is saying, wow, it's almost Thanksgiving or almost Halloween or almost Christmas. For baseball fans, it's it's almost time for the J J fifteen signings. Um, last season, twenty twenty was complete screw up. Twenty let let's just admit it. Twenty twenty was an absolute complete screw up. Everything was broken. Everything was broken. And twenty twenty one, we're trying to put things back together. We're trying. Some of it's been working better than others, but really, everything's still broken. We're just trying to adjust to everything being broken. And the international signing period went from July to January. And we're trying to get used. We're trying to get used to it. International signing period, teams have a certain amount that they can spend. Teams have a certain amount that they can spend. Unlike the draft, it's based on basically market size. Basically market size. There's regular market size, you know, regular large market size, and there's smaller than there's really small. And uh, most of the teams are in the rather large amount sector. Some teams are a bit smaller and have a bit more to spend, and some teams are a bit smaller, smaller, and still have a bit more to spend. The Cubs have the least amount to spend, but, 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 there are things they can do to reduce that amount, should they choose. Should the Cubs decide they can do things that would reduce that amount. Now, one thing that I'm going to step in and say, I'm still a bit annoyed. I'm not annoyed that the Astros were not um, robbed of their 2017 World Series title. That, would been, that, that wouldn't have accomplished much of anything. Uh, not... It, Banning them from the playoffs would have been so very high school or college. Ooh, these guys are ineligible. No, that if someone does something bad enough, <coughs> show me what the penalty is in regards to the draft and international signings. The draft and international signings. If it's really bad, steal a bunch of draft picks. Steal a bunch of international signing space. Really punish the hell out of them. Then carry along. Carry on. The amount of money that is internationally spent. I think every year goes up a little bit. Except it's uh, parsed between the 30 teams. Now, the, the Braves, for the past, I don't know, three or four years, they have been internationally punished rather severely because um, they did some things that the league considered naughty. 
Should they have been, been punished that much? Was it worse than what the Astros did? Was it actually something that a lot of teams have been doing over a long period of time? I don't know. I Possibly, maybe. Um, but the international phase is absolutely huge if you buy into international spending is a large part of baseball. International spending is a large part of baseball. I... I'm going to break from, I, I, I'm not, I'm going to change this podcast a bit today. Mid, midstream, the joy of having uh, nobody um, particularly minding. I ran into a baseball story that I was totally unaware of a week ago. About a week ago, I ran into this story and it's like, wait a minute, how do I not know this? How am I unaware of this story. The Pirates had signed a an inf- no, an outfielder, a center fielder in the mid-1970s. And if you guys know where I'm going, turn it off you, because you don't want to hear it. You really don't want to hear it. But for the rest of you, you sign a player hoping he's going to do well. Alfredo Edmiad was a center fielder that the giant the pirates who did a lot of international work and as I did the research uh, as I read stories and articles on the pirates research inter- oh, internationally I understood oh that's why the pirates were so good that's why the pirates were so good it wasn't because of the steel mills and yeah that's why they were so no they they did a really nice job of researching and acquiring international talent Edmiad was a center fielder back in 1974. In 1985, the Dominican Summer League started. So that's your 1985 Dominican Summer League started. I didn't know when that had started. Uh, Up until 1985, you would just send your international prospects to your international... um, your... Mesa. Mesa, basically. You'd send them to Mesa and they'd have to adjust to baseball and America and everything and all that all at once. And 1985, baseball decided, you know, let's let's give players a landing spot so they can get used to baseball and get taught a little bit about how it's going to be when you get to the United States before you get to the United States. Made a lot of sense. Ed Miad was a center fielder before that. He skipped over the compound league entirely, was sent to somewhere in the, effectively the Carolina League. Uh, Salem, was it Salem, Virginia? Salem, somewhere up East Coast. And he was having a fantastic season. Uh, his team was having a fantastic season. The person that was um, basically assigned to... Watch over him was an infielder uh, who was also having a very good year. Team also had uh, Miguel Delonay, international signing. John Candelaria, I think he might have been an international signing. Uh, very good team. Um, 
the second baseman, there's a pop-up in a game in mid-August, second baseman, who is wearing a knee brace to help him recover from a surgery the previous years. The second baseman is heading out into center field on the pop-up. Center Second baseman is heading out for the pop-up. Center fielder goes up in the air to try to catch the ball, and his head runs into the second baseman's knee brace. Yes. There was a delay, and he was dead. With international players, you don't know. With international players, you don't know. You don't know how good they are. You hear people saying uh, highfalutin things. I haven't used that term in a while around here. Highfalutin things about these prospects. They're going to be this. They're going to be that. He's going to be this. He He's certainly going to be able to stick in the middle of the infield. He might be a center fielder. He might be a right fielder. Uh, we were told that um, Eddie Martinez was going to be the next Andrew Jones in center field. We don't know. The Cubs are in line to sign Aiden Sanchez, 43rd ranked international prospect from Panama. He played in the Little League World Series. Third baseman, possibly might be a catcher, possibly might be a pitcher. You don't know. Maybe he'll end up being a first baseman. Who knows? Who the heck knows? And Alexis Hernandez, who is Christian Hernandez younger brother, who is supposedly going to play up the middle somewhere, whether it's center field, second base, third base, we'll find out. But um, with the international signings, what you're hoping to see is, yes, the team is still active. Uh, some teams are going to be upset. That, Why didn't they get somebody from the top eight? Why didn't they get, well, it really... A lot of the international signing thing is everyone has their amount of money. How are you going to spend it? And it's not just a um, one-time only sort of recruiting process. The, the scouts are already down there. The scouts are down there. Scouts are doing their job. Scouts know who is 14, who is 15, who is 13. They know who the players are. And they are trying to uh, get along with the players who are looking like they will be good. And trying to represent, yes, you should come play for our team. Um, all the teams want the guys who are in the top five. All of the teams want the teams who are in the top, want the guys who are in the top five. Um <laughs> just got, just just like if there is there uh in high school if there is a uh new person that comes to town in their junior year if they are amazingly popular and really you know nice looking and uh well thought of and all that kind of stuff then they're going to have a whole lot of people who care about them but if they don't have charisma, they don't have smarts, they don't have they don't have anything going on, they don't then they're probably not going to be very popular. Just, same exact thing. 
And if you're after the team, the, the player who is at the top of the board this year, it looks like the Yankees are in charge of likely getting the top guy on the board. What that means is probably they are spending a decent chunk of their coinage on the top guy. That's fine. That's fair. That's good. Uh, other teams will probably spend their um, spend their product product uh, spending pool on a number of different guys. We're instead of uh, either instead of going for number one. Well, probably they're all trying to get number one, but once he decides, oh, I'm kind of interested in the Yankees, then that's kind of it. The scouts are focusing on the top 80, which of the top 80, which of these guys looks useful to us, which of these guys are interested in being with us, with Christian Hernandez, Alexis Hernandez, kind of makes sense. Having brothers on the uh, in the organization makes sense. Quite very logical. Um, Aiden Sanchez is number 43 on the list. Alexis Hernandez is 18 on the list. And from there, it's develop. Uh, very possibly someone will sign a player off of the top 200 list and that player, everything will come together for him. So somebody who is not on the list could be either the elite or the, um, you know, top five eventually. With international signings, teams have a limited amount and they can spend it however they can. Probably now most teams are planning on spending pretty much their entire amount because you can't, you can't trade international spending space anymore. Teams used to do that. I'm going to trade you international spending space and you're going to trade me back prospect. Um, that used to be permitted now for whatever reason, Major League Baseball has decided, no, you can't really do that anymore. Alex Sanchez, catcher, third base from Panama, number 43 on the list. Alexis Hernandez, 18, outfield, center field, shortstop. Um, it's way too early to be worrying about stuff like this. Teams generally have a fairly decent read on who the best players are. Teams are all going to get talent. It's not like, oh, what was it? Three, four, five years ago, Baltimore didn't even have scouts international, really. They'd wait until somebody else released somebody, then bring them in. And it's like, hey, we have a team now. We have guys on our team. Um, everybody's doing what they can to put together the best squad. With the Dominican Summer League, the players that play well advance. The players that represent well move on. That's, to me, the important thing to remember. If Aiden Sanchez is a guy in four years, cool, fantastic. If Alexis Hernandez is a guy in three years, three or four years, cool, fine. It's, it used to be the Cubs mindset. It used to be the Cubs mindset. This one guy, not only are they going to be everything in the universe, 
It doesn't matter how old the guy was. doesn't matter if the guy's in the major leagues. doesn't matter if the guy's in the minor leagues. This guy here, if he is the best thing in the entire universe, then the Cubs will be good. If this guy isn't the best thing in the universe, oh, well, it's just the Cubs anyway. Now, nowadays, it's a little bit different. Instead of this one guy having to be everything, it's more along the lines of, well, let's just take tonight. Let's take tonight. It's Thursday. It's Thursday night. There are four full season minor league games going on. Four full season minor league games going on. And if I were required to be limited to only one of the games, I could be entirely entertained by that one game, whichever game it is. Now, with it being a Thursday, with it being a day the Cubs are off, I think it's Alex and Elise Knight out in Des Moines. So Alex uh, Alex Cohen and Elise Menneker will bring you the Cubs, the iCubs action against the Kansas City Royals affiliate, the uh, Omaha Storm Chasers. Omaha has been better than the Cubs this year. They just have been, uh, at least recently. But still, they will walk you through it. Alex does a very good job of explaining to you which players make the most sense for the next level. The next level being Wrigley Field. And I don't know who the starters for any of the games tonight are. Haven't figured that out. Haven't gotten that far yet. Probably have a Peoria game that starts in about 15 minutes or so, though. Uh, South Bend in Peoria. Then Tennessee. They're a bit struggling now, too, because with Chase Strumpf out for at least a week, they have a number of players who... um, Their lineup's down a bit. But still, even though their lineup's down a bit, even though they might end up losing, you still have Brennan Davis to follow. You still have Nelson Velazquez to follow. There's players worth following in every single lineup. South Bend, how far is um, Tarp Bringer Alexander Canario going to hit one tonight? He hit two, two home runs over two days in one game, and both times brought the rain tarp onto the field. He's He, he, he changes the weather. Um, Alexander Canario is worth following there. How is Johindrik Piango doing in his new um, new abide in new abidance in um, South Bend? Pablo Aliendo has moved up then you move to Myrtle Beach. If you're forced to follow the Myrtle Beach game, you get how is Owen Casey doing? How is Casey Opitz doing? How is Kevin Maday doing? Probably really well because that's what Kevin Maday is doing now. All of the affiliates have something going on. All of the affiliates have something going on. Pitching-wise, all of the affiliates have something going on. Hitting-wise. Pitching-wise, hitting-wise. All the affiliates, it's getting there. That wasn't how 
the Cubs pipeline used to be. It used to be, well, we have a top five or a top 10 or a top 20 because we have to have a top five, top 10, top 20, regardless how, um, regardless how bad a college basketball team is, they have two or three guys who are the best players on the team, right? That's how it used to be with the Cubs pipeline. But now every affiliate has names that, oh yeah, I should probably learn more about that player. I should probably learn more about that player. And with the July trades, the Cubs have players that we probably all need to get to know better. Whether they were from trades or call-ups from Mesa. Owen Casey. Um, there are now Owen Casey broadcasts. You know, he, he's actually on games now instead of, well, I saw he was two for three in Mesa last night with a walk. Now you can actually listen to slash watch Myrtle Beach Pelicans games with Owen Casey playing. It used to be the Cubs farm system. And it, with the exception of 2013, 2014 into 2015, you can pick pretty much any year. Any year in the Cubs history. There might have been a couple of years when the Cubs had a really good system, an actual really good system, but there weren't very many of them. The Cubs system now is interesting at every level. And when you're reading the Facebook group, that says the Cubs system is horrible. It's horrible because MLB has them ranked at 22. I have one question. One question. One. One. Simple question. Easy question. How many Cubs pipeline games have you listened to this year? That's the question. If somebody has watched like five or six of the games on Marquee Sports Network, and so I say, yeah, I've watched those games and those guys are terrible. Okay, fine. At least they're basing their opinion on something actual. At least they're basing it on actual. The reality is, depending upon who you are prioritizing, I prefer fan graphs because they show you their homework. Cubs are e either getting there or already there as far as a really good organization. And adding looks at list Aiden Sanchez and Alexis Hernandez will help. It will help. They'll add more players as well. But that'll help. The Cubs pipeline, the, the Cubs' future success will depend upon players currently in the pipeline or players soon to be in the pipeline doing well. That's what it relies on. If they get their job done, everything, everything will eventually work out swimmingly. If they end up being exposed at low levels and never even make it to double A because they're bad baseball players, well, then the Cubs are going to be screwed. But it's not anymore a case of it has to be this guy. I remember um, I was watching a College World Series game when uh, Mark Pryor was pitching. Cubs had just drafted Mark Pryor. Hey, I'd better sit down and watch this. You know, see what's going on. As I was doing my rudimentary sort of research back in the day, and I saw, eh, this guy's looking pretty good. I think I'm going to call my friend Jennifer. Let Jennifer know, hey, dude, t turn on 
whatever channel it was, CBS. Why? Why? No, just do. Just do. Watch the guy who's pitching. Okay. Oh, he looks kind of okay. Cubs drafted him. Oh. Oh, all right. For, for the Cubs, for so often, it's always been, a, it's almost always been a case of this guy specifically or that guy specifically has to carry all the weight. Stupid way of doing it. The Cubs have started to spread the weight out. It doesn't have to be this guy is successful. It doesn't have to be that guy. The last cycle, it had to be Chris Bryant. Really, it had to be Chris Bryant. If Bryant was moderately adequate, there wasn't anything else left. There was, you know, Baez was not going to be able to carry it. It ended up being Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez, and it worked for a while. And it kind of uh, spun out of control. And now we're trying this. And it really does look like there's a whole bunch of different players, all of whom are somewhat intriguing, all of whom are somewhat worth following. And let's do that. Aiden Sanchez and Alex Hernandez. I'm not going to give them a sheet of paper yet. I give sheets of paper to players who are Cubs prospects. I'm not going to give them prospect pages yet until they're actually inked and signed. But, um, yeah, it's nice to see their names. And some people, oh, that Cubs should have gotten somebody in the top 14. And maybe, yeah. Player selection is important internationally. And the Cubs have done reasonably well in getting players down the list, who have done fairly well recently. Don't think Yo Hendrik Piango was highly ranked. Um, don't seem to remember Pedro Ramirez being highly ranked. Next year, as we pay attention to the Dominican Summer League, hopefully Sanchez and Hernandez will be giving us some Two for three days, possibly with a couple extra base hits thrown in there. It's a long-term play, but then baseball is a long-term game. Some sports, it is a sprint. Baseball, it is a long duration. And for some of us, that's why it's so fun. Heck, for today, I go to sleep. Got up at 2.15. I, I tend to stay up later than I ought to and then get up later than I ought to. Um, and when I wake up, there's news. There's news. Something happened. Something broke. Something's being discussed. And we know when the games are. And half, maybe half of the news is the games. Maybe half of the news is the games. Then there's the other stuff that's going on. Oh, this guy got designated for assignment. Maybe he's worth picking up. This guy over here, he got this. He got th this guy got promoted from this level to that. All, all that kind of stuff. All the other kind of stuff. In baseball, it's fascinating to me having. I liked it better when there was the extra level, but having the levels. Ooh, is this guy ready to call up from low A to high A, and you have the discussion. Why would? It makes sense to call up Kevin Maday. Why would it not make sense to call up Kevin Maday? Hopefully, in three or four years, 
Aiden Sanchez and Alexis Hernandez will be in the discussion of what's going on with What's Cub. Today, they are. Tomorrow, probably they won't be. Um, by January, they probably will be again. Then they will make lists. And then in, what is it, June, July, they'll start playing games with box scores and we'll be able to start following again. Heck, maybe we might even see something on YouTube in the next couple days in regards to Aiden Sanchez and Alexis Hernandez, which would be cool. But really, what we want to do is eventually see them playing in games with box scores. First in the Dominican, then stateside. Then, eventually, they make it to Myrtle Beach. Make it to South Bend, and we get to start hearing announcers talk about what they're doing in actual live games. Then, if they're doing well enough, they keep going up the ladder. That's what we want with the minor league players, with the internationally signed players. Have them do well at what they're given and show that they belong at a higher level. That's what we're hoping for. Maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, but it looks like as per the people who know the kind of things, it's what's going on. Getting 18 and 43 of the top 50 signing options internationally. It's not bad for a team that doesn't have any signing advantages, that doesn't have any uh, advantages as far as um, larger signing pools than other teams. 18 and 43, I'd take it. And about June... I think they start in June. About June, I'll start playing games again. And that'll be fun. Thanks for stopping by. Be safe, be nice to each other, and enjoy the full slate of minor league games tonight.